You're listening to Red Nation Online. He's got a clean left boot. He's going to have another go. Looking for Powers. Powers can find his way through here. Can he get the ball back? Bono! Number 99 for Edson Bubble. Some great work from Dylan Powers. Wonderful work from Dylan Cerner. And a cool, calm finish from Edson Bubble. Saturday, April 12th, it's Steve Perry, Kamal Hilton, and Iamian Clark. We're back from BMO Field and a lackluster 1-0 loss to the Colorado Rapids. No Defoe, Bradley, Osorio, Henry, Ray. Well, almost half TFC starters, and we now know what that means in terms of getting a result. While there were chances, nothing was converted, and we dig deeper into that, looking at the depth players such as Dwayne DiRosario and Kyle Becker and what they offered on this afternoon, as well expressing concern that this is the team we might have to witness more times this year, especially through the end of May and June. Trying to stay positive, we look ahead to FC Dallas, better weather, and hopefully playing surface. A quick note, it's fitting that one of the least exciting games, there's a few technical difficulties, but hang in there as they will clear up. All this and more on the next 40 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Back to their old ways of bullshitting the attendance figures and losing at home. <laughs> 22,000. Another sellout. It's funny you said bullshit because on the way in, I saw the cops on the ponies for the first time. I mean, the first game we saw a few weeks back, you know, three weeks back, it was freezing out, so there's no one out. <laughs> like, there's no security, no people. Like, I mean, there's people there, but only like rushing to the stadium. Uh, and then you see these cops on parade, and you see them followed by the horse shit. Like there's like literally horse dung on the street to the thing, which was a common occurrence last year. Uh, and I also found it a metaphor, and I was thinking, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> this is like reminding me of last year's setup. And then we get last year's setup. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Bit, you know, I mean, you know, Defoe's out, Bradley's out, so. I, I was thinking this is uh, this is Ryan Nelson's uh, World Cup lineup, right? This is what's going to happen from like because those players are probably going to go in May, like to get climatized to Brazil, yeah, and, and start May, practicing probably. getting the team together, and then so June, and they'll be gone all of June, so up till July, I guess this is the Toronto FC World Cup lineup, right? Yeah, that's kind of scary to think about because. Uh they played a. Well, I'd say both teams played a disjointed. If I was to use a word to describe the game, yeah, I, understandably so, I guess, because our first line wasn't there. I don't know. I can't. I can't speak for Colorado. I don't really follow them. So yeah, most what? of their main guys were also injured or out. Like uh, so Vicente they, Sanchez is a key guy for them, and he wasn't there. So they had the same sort of scenario. Yeah, missing players. Say. I would say the only difference, and I guess we'll get to this later, is their substitutes made an impact. Yeah, their I guess substitutes. I would, if you boil it down, yeah, that's the difference, isn't it? Well, that's it. And then leading into this game, I mean, this is the matchup that uh, when I looked at the start of the season and all the games that we had, this was the one, you know, really through nothing than past history because 
not only has Colorado never won at BMO Field, against Toronto, that is, Toronto's beat them every single time. So you look at this matchup and you think, okay. And then, of course, you add in that there's names not showing up uh, on their starting on their starting 11. That's been pretty good for them at the start of the year. And there's another opportunity for Toronto to come out and hopefully continue their great start to the season. But I think, the, obviously, the story for Toronto heading into this week is injuries. The injuries that didn't negatively affect us in Columbus still are lingering against Colorado. And honestly, between the two teams, I would have figured the game against Columbus was the tougher one and a sign that, okay, at home against Colorado, even if we don't have Jermaine Defoe, even if we don't have Daniel Henry or Jonathan Osorio, Toronto should be able to hang in there and hopefully grind something out. Well, hey, it even felt like that throughout the game. I mean, I don't even, I mean, you're doing the pre, like you're looking at this, like going before the prediction, right? But I was thinking even during the game, I mean, I was looking at, I was trying to keep some stats there and my rough stats, I counted 17 good chances on net for us and I've counted five for Colorado, which says that we were, you know, out shooting them three to one in terms of, and making opportunities, making, uh, you know, plays, good chances that we didn't finish on. And I just felt, I mean, I think lots of people felt coming out of there, this is the game that we blew, right? This is, we that was our game. We should have had that game. Yeah. We should have won that game. The interesting thing that I find about Colorado is they didn't play how you would usually see them play. Like, I I watched them a little bit. I try and watch as many teams in the league as possible. Yeah, and yeah. their style of play is keep the ball on the ground and, and move it. And they kind of reverted to how we play the game, which is kick the ball in the air and rush after it. Yeah, because that's, I mean, that's the observation I kind of made after was that this game played out almost the opposite as we've seen Toronto in the first four games is that Toronto has sort of sat back and soaked up pressure and found that one or two opportunities to score a goal. But this week we saw Toronto with a little bit more possession. And if I think, I don't know what the stats are, we didn't check, but I'm assuming it might have been somewhere around 50-50 or more in our favor for this game, which hasn't, hasn't happened yet. Like Toronto's been... Uh, greatly outpossessed in the first four games of the season. Like they're 60 to 40 or 65 no, to we, 35. I'm sure we held the ball more than 50 50. This today we did. So I'm saying today, and that's what I'm saying. Like today is the difference. Yeah. Yet the result, it, it was, has been, the, I think, is the exact opposite. Yeah. Some of that's deceiving though. Yeah, it's you true. Look at, you look at, like, I think uh, you were commenting on, um, how Becker, towards the end of the first half, I know we're kind of going all over the place in the game, but towards the end of the first half, yeah, yeah. he kind of had the ball, turned around, and kicked it back to the keeper. Keeper kicked it out, and it just kept going around. And yeah, they just worked it around the back line, and I just felt that was an unusual. We There was three, still three minutes left to go in the half, uh, not, a, not including additional time, and I felt like, you know, there's enough time to mount an attack here. What are we doing playing with the ball in the back? Like, what what the hell's going on here? Yeah. It just felt like uh, it was too cocky, maybe, or I don't know, just like they'd given up. I couldn't tell what, what it was. It was one of those things, and I just felt it was very unusual. It was weird. Mm-hmm. I, it was just not a thing. I was just like, you can't be wasting chances, especially if you're not on the scoreboard yet, you know? I just felt it was... And I think you're right. Because I wanted to give Becker more credit like throughout the game. I felt like he had a pretty good game, but I just felt like that thing just sort of tainted my what I was feeling about him, you know. Yeah. But let's I wanna let's maybe 
forge ahead, like into this game and actually start going through it. And I want to start with this, as you know, we were talking about the injuries and what that means for this team and carrying over from the Columbus game. If we, if we start out, you know, Cesar looked like he might've been picked up a knock, but he seems, he seems like he's fine. Starts for this one, which is a good thing for us, especially from the defensive side of things. Uh, Steve Caldwell returns from suspension. Uh, and then we have Orr, who played center back in, in uh, the Columbus game. He stays on, Morrow Bloom. And then, of course, I think what most people would have been looking at for this game, of course, with Michael Bradley you know, sitting out the game, Jonathan Osorio still to still resting up, is, is this midfield, which is now Kyle Becker and Jeremy Hall, which I think... You know, there's those questions. There would be questions going in this game of what those guys can bring and what they're going to deliver. Well, that was last year's lineup, right? Kind of. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, both Becker those, didn't get both Becker, of those players are from last year's yeah. team, right? And then you know, Jeremy Hall is kind of interesting in the sense that moments last year where he looked good, moments where he didn't look good, and I yeah, don't he, think, yeah, I don't think he's recaptured that little window of confidence he had at the start of 2013. It just hasn't really got well, it together. Well, he continues. I think he continues to be sort of. Um, Inconsistent, I think. Yeah, that's, I, that's I, probably the, fair. The injuries uh, kind of forced Nelson's hand to make Becker the de facto number ten. And yeah, as for sure, yeah. I know you kind of. I know Aaron kind of writes on the site a lot about how he's not really a number ten; he's a defensive midfielder. So that kind of. Yeah, that's that true. Actually, that's the way he played. Actually, I remember him playing a little bit further back. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then, of course, we have returning on the wings, Nakajima Ferran, who scored the, the insurance goal last week. Uh, Jackson's back, which I think is a guy who's in the early going of the season has looked good for us and has been an important part of our, our early success. Di Rosario and Gilberto. You know, I, I think on paper that's that looks like a pretty that looks like a decent starting eleven. Where again, at home against not just on Colorado. paper. I mean, I think that they did play well. I mean. You know the, the chances didn't come, but they yeah. were but they they were making chances, which is different than what we've seen in past, right? Yep. W- wouldn't this lineup? I don't know. You guys can tell me your opinion, but wouldn't this lineup, looking at it before we even see, saw the game play out, wouldn't you have thought Rosario would have kind of grabbed the game a little bit, as like more of an attacking influence, since we don't have Michael Bradley. But I, but I felt he did. I mean, I felt he played all over the pitch. Uh, maybe you're, are you saying that he's playing? He played too defensive today. I just because I did yeah. notice that actually, and I did notice that he came back for a guy who was playing like sort of up further because he was getting the balls. Gilberto was servicing him, um, from what I could tell. Anyway, like I made a bunch of notes uh, where Gilberto was getting the ball to him and Jackson was getting the ball to him. So he was winding up to being the last man on the sh- on the shot. Right, he was being our our striker for all intents purposes. But I also did see him coming back uh, quite a bit. And like, even when we were lining up for, uh, for shots in the outside the 18, he was in the wall. Uh, I remember once when the ball hit the wall and then he cleared it and I'm like, what the, he's clearing it to where he should be. Like just, he shouldn't be the guy at the end of the, he should be the guy at the end of the clearance, not the guy making the clearance. Right. I just so, but he, I felt that he was playing so def- I mean, it just, it was this thing where he's like, he's so far back and that was sort of like where he plays like a, I remember when he used to play on the team, uh, you know, back he was he was also he was a player that would play all over the pitch, right? The roaming player. Yeah, even like even last year with DC United, he was more that kind of guy. And I would have thought with this lineup, which I would say is better than DC's lineup was last year, that 
he would have been more of an input. I just think he wasn't as influential as he could have been. I think I think that's probably fair because obviously he's lined up on top and you're seeing him, although you see him going back, you see him also holding up the ball, kind of playing really far up at times. Again, what we've seen him as at his most success is that sort of undefined role. And this might have been an opportunity where you know Nelson could have broken out of that 4-4-2 and tried something different, whether it's a 4-5-1 uh, with Di Rosario, just let him do what he's got to do, and you can still have your four midfielders and Gilberto up top as your as your center forward, which is what he does best. I mean, that's where he had his success last year in Brazil. Was at times he was that lone guy up top with getting the you know wingers cutting in and creating chances, and him sort of like poaching in on those chances and whatnot. So, I mean, that might be something to to consider or to keep looking at going forward. Is if if Jermaine Defoe is not playing and Di Rosario is coming in, if Nelson's just going to keep you know, setting him up as a striker. But but I felt he was a striker today. And I and yeah. I counted countless times when he was getting the ball, like he was the last one on the touch, right? So I felt like everyone was servicing him like that. And I just think that maybe this is um, this is him in his twilight, right? He's not the greatest finisher anymore that he used to be. He's not the, he's like sort of a shadow of his former self. So he's gotten lots of chances, uh, and even like I compare him to other people who were sort of in that position, like Dicchio and um, Covermans was one I think. Covermans uh, was the other that I was thinking of. And he's guys, he's older than now than probably they were when yeah, they, when I, their career was so. down. I think that he was a better. He played better than all of those people that we've held up as our saviors for the front line <laughs> in those periods of our, our history, right? But still, it's not enough to score. I. I I mean, I counted six strikes on from him. He had six chances on goal, like six like knocks on goal. I think you know, in the end, I, I mean, it was and it was exciting to watch, and I felt he was great. But I just felt that also we just couldn't pull could it out be, for us. Could. I also wanted to mention something about the formation. I noticed uh, our lineup played their normal four four two kind of thing. Yeah, but I also noticed that there was a bit of a slight adjustment where Jackson likes to play a little bit higher, so he likes to play. I mean, he plays still out in the wing. Uh, and he plays essentially like a winger for us. And as a result, our back line also has to compensate. And so Bloom played forward up. And I don't think, because uh, I didn't think Colorado was a, a trouble opposition. Uh, we were able to get away with something like that. Uh, it gave us a bit more of an attacking. I mean, we did see a lot more chances just because I think we pushed more forward because of that alteration in lineup. Yeah. And I think in early on, I mean, we were talking about those chances that Toronto was getting, especially in the first half. I think at the very beginning of the game, you know, at the at the halftime, you know, I flip on my phone and go on Twitter, and people are all like Zeds across their across their you know 140 characters, and what a snooze it was. But in the first 10 minutes, you know, I think I counted three corners and, and four set pieces that we had within eight minutes of the game. It was 20. Yeah, it was the first 15. Sorry, because I can't. I was counting them, and they mostly started happening around nine. There was like the eighth minute mark. Uh, Gilberto flicked it on. Uh, nine minutes. There was another flick. Eleven minutes. Uh, Dero had a chance. Uh, at the 12th minute, your belter had a chance. There was like, they were coming from everywhere at that point. It was, uh, you know, there was quite a few chances. Yeah. We had a corner at the fifth minute. There was like lots of things going on. Yeah. Which was the first 10. Which was a little bit surprising because in in a way, because I think, I don't think we should let forget mentioning how once again, the pitch was fucking awful. The first game, I think one reason why it looked was so terrible because it was, it was wet. And although it wasn't wet today, the quality of the pitch, I thought, was still... At the start, it looked like it was okay, but when, right at the start, Kamal and I went down, I stood on pitch, you could see the divots were already starting to get picked up from them running around. And I made a note of, by around the 30th minute that 
the field was just it torn was just up. completely torn up. I think that might have played into why both teams played the way they played and why the game was disjointed the way it was. But I notice uh, one the one really good combination that Colorado had resulted in that uh, it was a hand it was a handball and then uh, Gabby Torres took the free kick. Yeah, like that was pretty much I would say their one good chance in the first half. Yeah, that was the only chance I counted. It was at the 60th minute. Caldwell, yeah. It was a handball from Caldwell. They got a yellow for that too, I think. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people were disputing it because it was like uh, if they felt it was unintentional. I couldn't tell, but his arm did go up when the shot went up, so I, I'm not... But that was a hard I'm shot. Not I'm not necessarily saying it wasn't yeah. unintentional. I'm not, I'm not one of those people who think it was. thinks it was unintentional. Well, I, think he, I think he deserved the yellow, but it was a good card to take, I think. I guess. I'll give him credit for incredible reaction time, though, because it was a hard shot. Uh, and then it you was at point-blank range, too. Yeah. And, and to jump ahead to a quick sight and sound that uh, at the 34th minute we saw on the screen... Everyone ooh and eyeing uh, Michael Bradley chilling in the booth. Although not many people, I'm sure. And Jermaine Defoe too. Right? Yeah, but they don't, they're like, who's that other guy? <laughs> the other guy is Canada's most capped player, and Paul Stalteri, and a local guy, but no one really, no one really knows. Who, he's he's lifted a Bundesliga title. You know, he's probably done more than a lot of those guys on Toronto FC yet. Uh, but it's interesting because you look at how like the overlap of just everyone on this team and the connections that they have to everyone, and of course Paul Stalteri. I think I'm pretty sure would have played at Borussia Mönchengladbach with uh, Michael Bradley, and he may have played at Tottenham with Jermaine Defoe way back. So you just see that connection. You're like, well, how do these guys? How why are these guys all hanging out? And it's like, oh yeah, they might actually all, all know each other <laughs> and like overlap each other through their soccer careers. It's just funny how it's just like that. And then they're sitting in the so yeah those booths or whatever. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, running through that that first half again. I mean, there's, I don't know what else is to say other than, yeah, there was lots of chances. You know, I, I marked down a couple ones. I mean, the 42nd minute, uh, there was a really nice combination that was this, like you're saying, you know, you have Becker moving forward. He lays it off to Bloom, who's coming in kind of the fill in that space that Jackson would have had, you know, fakes the shot on his right and then crosses it over with his left to Gilberto. And, you know, that's a guy that he has, a, he had a few chances today, but just um, something about him, you know, that like, for a guy who's a DP and is making some pretty good coin, I just don't see that impact. I just you just don't see the influence. I think that you expect from someone to come in like that. You know, you you flip the you flip on to the other coast in Vancouver and they bring in Pedro Morales, and everyone's just raving about the influence that he has on the game. Yeah, did roughly, you see that first game against New York. Yeah, uh, he he came in, in the last fifteen minutes and he scored a goal and he set up a goal. I was just like, that's crazy for a guy coming in cold like that. Like, I'm willing to give him time. Yeah, to, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah to I'm give willing, chemistry for yeah, sure. I'm willing to give him time, but I think yeah. maybe because first impressions of most people here is what we see on YouTube and things like that, and he's playing in what the Brazilian division. It's, uh, it's a struggle. Yeah, but that's. I mean, it's it goes. To, I mean, it's two sided. I mean, if you're gonna bring in a guy and sign him as a DP, then the expectation is set. Right. And then there's the level that you're expecting him to deliver, especially when it comes on as a striker. So it's like if you're not going to give and the, you even noted, too, that it was funny how of all the guys on the pitch, you know, there's another Brazilian yet. The best chemistry isn't happening between Jackson and, no. and Gilberto. It's actually it was more like, like Jackson and Di Rosario who were yeah. who are connecting better than than those two. So right now it's just 
you know, he's a little bit of a lone wolf out there, you know, that you're kind of waiting for something to happen. He, you know, there was that one rush. No, oh, I felt he was servicing Dero too, though. I felt like the balls were coming from both sides. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I felt that they lined up on different sides. So basically the Brazilians are servicing De Rosario. He, it's either Jackson or Gerbato. The balls are coming from those places mostly. I mean, it is working up the pitch through it, but it's coming from the flank. They they sort of, I mean, Gilberto, Gilberto plays in the center of the pitch, but Jackson certainly plays on the right side. But they, and even I saw the fluidity between him and number twenty, the Nakajima Ferran. Yeah, so I, I I don't know if you noticed at the mid, like around the thirty fifth minute in the first half, they switched sides. Yeah, uh, but they switched back at the, the, the top of the second half. Anyway, the, I just felt like the balls were coming from the Brazilians. The Brazilians were doing the servicing tonight. Yeah. So if we go in, go into the half, Steve, you had a great uh, quote for at the, the 45th where it was 0-0. Zero, zero. Oh, yeah. Some, someone uh, – yeah, so I was listening in the stadium and someone said, ah, oh, this is the, the, this game is going to end 0-0, zero, zero, someone said. And at the, at the end of the game, I was wishing that was the, that was the right prediction <laughs> <laughs> because it wound up being one nothing for Colorado. But uh, I also wanted to – well, anyway, I just uh, – I wanted to mention something about – if I could just do a quick sight and sound, because you uh, you were mentioning, come on, you were mentioning the YouTube thing, right? I was thinking, uh, we got uh, to witness uh, a TFC homemade movie at half, which they oh, were promoting God. as their, part of their YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, which was, uh, you know, really done as to make everyone feel great about the team. And I felt like, uh, like the Ryan Nelson sort of speech at the end that they kind of put in was kind of like lackluster. I just felt like, man, is that the best he's got? Is that the best they're showing us? Because he just wanted to be one of the guys, really. And which is sort of what everyone's been speculating, right? Yeah. He just wants to get on the boots. He wants, he's looking for an excuse to get on the pitch. But I didn't feel like, uh, you know, it was something inspiring. The speech wasn't like the little bits that we saw of it. Why yeah. not? It was like, come on, guys. That was, you know, we got a long way to go. Blah, 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 whatever. I mean, <laughs> it feels like a longer way even after today's game. <laughs> yeah, still, still a lot, uh, still quite a big uh, learning curve uh, for him to get to get where he's got to be. Yeah. Um, and if we roll through this, I mean, the second, there's not too many things to really like grind through. I mean, the second half, there was a point where, you know, you're watching this game, you're, you're hoping and waiting for something to happen. And, you know, the one thing I would note is that despite all this, you know, I'm, I'm watching this team play and at least reviewing the players' performances and whatever. But I can say, you know, truthfully across that starting 11, you know, some people, you know, aren't crazy about Becker or aren't crazy about Hall. But really, like deep down, you want I want like this starting 11 to do well and the players do well. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I genuinely like all these players. And I, I like all these players, and I like where they come from, and I like these additions. But then in the 68th minute, they sub in Andrew Wiedemann. I was like, oh, wait, Hall Mariner, that son of a bitch. <laughs> and I was like, no, there is a few players still hanging on that I just am like, oh, grinds me that it's like yeah, the leftovers, the leftovers from the previous regimes are still here. But who's left? I mean, who else? Well, that, that's the funny thing, eh? When, when he came on, you're like, who's, that's what we're thinking. We're like, who's this? And then you see number, we're like, who's 22? Well, he's the guy that's like, he's like 18 years old. He so, should have been the striker that they brought in? Well, he was supposed to be. And that was the thing is, I mean, he comes in from the academy. So he got graduated and he's like a kind of a blue chip prospect. Um, so he's supposed to be something. He only got on for a couple seconds at the very, in the, yeah. in the most bizarre, it's the 90th minute. 
and and Nelson's, you know, you see the sign go up and you're like, this is kind of seems like the wrong time for this yeah. to happen, especially when the clock is ticking away. Yeah, you're giving him no chance, really. To, to me, it's like you look at those substitutions compared to Colorado's substitutions. Which uh, made all the difference. Yeah, yeah. Deshaun Brown and then Dylan Serna. And both of them contribute to the only goal in the game. And and then, uh, you know, two other chances that were pretty close at the end, right? Yeah, yeah they almost, they almost, this game could have been 2 0 yeah. very easily because that last chance that Colorado had, uh, it was close. And, and it almost looked like. Cesar picked up a back kick from from Caldwell, but they let it go. But even if I mean, I don't know if there's if there's any point in just running through that that goal quick because it was a pretty. I think it's like a lot of times you watch this team and it's like moments like this, and you're watching it in slow motion. You're like, oh, here we go. You could see, I mean, you could see that happening where it's just uh, you know three guys chase down the ball towards the touchline, and then and then Edson Buttle's just sitting there all alone, and you're like, oh, another TFC guy scores against us. That was almost like couldn't couldn't have been written better because I know that people before this game, you look at Colorado and it's like Edson Buttle, Nick LaBrocca, Nathan Sturgis, Marvell Wynn. I mean, all guys that have sued up for Toronto and the running joke is just like, okay, which former TFC guy is going to score on us? And of course, the first goal we ever score from Dickio has that sound bite where it's just like, Buttle, Dickio, and then everyone freaks out. And you're like, oh, yep, Edson Buttle slots it in. Yeah, and uh, and you know we got to see that goal over and over again, and I just like that. I don't know what you saw, what you saw in terms of the breakdown there, but I did see Caldwell running out of the middle to the right hand side to go make the challenge, and getting real big, he kind of did this thing with his arms, and it's kind of like a desperation play because if you get a handball in that area, that's like disastrous. That's going to be a penalty kick, right? Yeah. Um, but that left the whole middle open as well. Now, I think he felt like confident enough to that because I think that his second middle was there still and also the guy on the right-hand side was still there. But there's two of them that made the challenge, which left a, a bigger space open in the middle. Yeah. Which left us open. And I don't know. I, I also saw C- Cesar made a few good saves. Like I thought uh, like in the first half, he made that one goal line save mm-hmm. that caused a – and you saw him get real big. So I, I saw Caldwell sort of emulating Cesar from that, like doing the let's get big because then maybe it looks like you can't get biased kind of thing or can't get the ball through. You know, Cesar had to come come up with like two really big saves at the end, right, which definitely kept us in the game. But And you also saw him trying to move the ball quickly from getting it, getting it back in play, like at the 82nd minute. I, I, I also noted that after like three minutes after the goal – there was more breakdown on that back line or was was yelling at um, Caldwell about a bad pass that where there was a breakthrough from Colorado and I just felt like I don't know this back this back line maybe doesn't know each other well enough at one point I was thinking they're playing really well together uh, and then around like that last 10 minutes I noticed oh these guys are having now struggling this back line is struggling and then they took Bloom out sort of like that mixed up chemistry even more but mm-hmm. at that point it was not even to any effect. I mean, the ball was, wasn't really in our end at the last two minutes of the game. No, I think. no. But up till then, there was a few. There was more chances for Colorado than the whole game. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, obviously, a disappointing home loss, which is kind of funny that here we are sitting uh, five games in, and it's you could probably make a pretty strong case that Toronto plays better on the road right now than they do at home. And the weather has something to do with again how brutal our field is. 
maybe they're looking forward to this next game, which is against FC Dallas, who, Kamal, you know this team. Yeah. You know this team pretty well. Like, I wonder, you know, what's your thoughts on on Toronto, what you're seeing today, and, and what that could mean going into their next home game, or the next road game, sorry. It's probably what I would have thought Colorado would have been like, because it's Oscar Pereja's old team is Colorado, and now we're playing his new team, and they play... If you if you're looking for like fast play on the ground, this is what that team does. They have uh Mauro Diaz, Fabian Castillo, and Michel. They've been they've combined for like maybe seven goals and like four assists or something crazy like that. Yeah. And then Blas Perez is just the big body up front. So I mean it'll be interesting to see how Toronto plays. I don't know if they're gonna get any of these guys back. I hope so. Bradley, I think Bradley would be a big key to neutralizing what they have there. But if he doesn't come back, then and they play this line up against them, it could get ugly. Yeah, I think that's probably what was one of the things I was missing from this game is that, I mean, obviously there's Bradley's quality, but he's been bringing, a, you know, a work rate and a level of pressure on the guy with the ball that we didn't see today, and maybe that's why this game changed from what we've seen because we didn't have that guy who's sort of like you know in the midfield or a defensive midfielder position that's just really going everywhere and causing a lot of havoc and we didn't we didn't really I don't think we have that that's not the game that Becker and Hall brings those guys seem to be laying back more and just you know waiting for things to come and the, you know just a different style of passing a different style of defending than I think what we've seen in these first four games yeah, with well, Michael Bradley think, yeah well you think about it the spine was gone right the options were coming from the flanks, not yeah, the spine. Yeah, it's true, right? yeah. And that's the difference maybe. Um, and, I, you know, I, I do felt that it wasn't for lack of chances. I mean, certainly the game was in hand. It didn't. Maybe it didn't matter that we didn't have our spine today. Mm-hmm. But it's something that I've said and other people have said uh, that this, this team doesn't have any depth. And when injuries come at the end of the season, when the World Cup comes, when they have to go to play internationals, you know, you're going to see like a team that's not really that good. It's going to be, you know, blow through the smoke and mirrors that the MLSC wants us to believe is the the championship team, the team that's going to get to the playoffs. We'll see. I doubt it at this point. Well, I think one other thing... There's going to be a lot of games like this, I feel like. This is the thing that is going to suck for us, right? Because we're there's all that optimism that came in the first few games. Uh, now there's like a bunch of holes in that, right? Yeah, and I think that's like, uh, you know, one other thing that I wanted to discuss, and I don't know if you guys saw it, but it, there was this week, the there's a points in the season when like the, what is it, the players union releases the salaries of the what the people are earning. And that's where I was, you know, I saw that uh, Morales is making something like, uh, Pedro Morales of Vancouver is making somewhere around 1.4 million. You have Gibraltar thereabouts, 1, 1.2. Of course, you have... Defoe and Bradley ringing up a nice, a nice healthy six million or six point five respectively for those two guys, and then through the rest of the roster, I mean, it's there's not really, I think, any controversies like we've seen in the past, like Richard Eckersley making over three hundred thousand dollars, or uh, I can't think of some other ones off the top of my head, but there's been some real doozies in the, in seasons past. But we have seen some pretty healthy. Uh, raises and when you have games like this where you know you don't have Osorio playing and you don't have Defoe playing and you're missing Bradley, uh, it, you know it stands out that you know you spent all this money and the team you know comes out on a day like today and at home 
you know, you know, can't get it done because there's another side to that. Of course. I mean, it's like you're playing at home and Toronto's desperately trying to regain that, you know, home field advantage and the optimism we were talking about and the hype around the team. And coming into this game, you're hearing there's still tickets available and you're hearing for the games coming up, there's still tickets available, not the best, you know, not the best. Uh, or even the tenants being sold out. Well, there's quite a few holes in the. I didn't see everybody in their seats. No, the, the, the row in front of us was empty, right? Like yeah. maybe they're sitting, maybe they're sitting in the, in the General beer tent or whatever, so. but you know, there was lots of, there was some room to move around. So, so going, looking at the, the, the salaries and, and the, the way the team has holes, do you put that on Pimbez Bachenko? Was, his, was that not his whole job to piece the team together? He's the captainer, the, the, the number nerd. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think the team still has a little bit has to probably do one more round of turnovers for it to be like a completely clean slate and him to fully label it his team because like I said there are some guys I think still lingering around from before but you know I mean like Joe Bendick everyone's big thing about him last year was how cheap he was and and uh you know you have Stefan Fry who was in the backup and he was making $150,000 and now Bendick's making 147 thereabouts. And Fry's at 150 at Seattle. So, I mean, are those guys a wash? I don't think so, but I think that's people can debate that. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's an expensive team. They've they've put, I think, a lot of risk into like bringing in guys like Cesar, and and you know bringing in these high these high uh, high paid DPs because it also sets the precedent going forward. Saying you know, are you going to keep doing this, or are we seeing in the background they're going to be developing the players from the academy that are going to be so good that we won't need to rely on spending a hundred million dollars off an off season and buying Brazilian international keepers houses or whatever to get to, to kind of like slip them under the cap and just give them whatever salary we're willing to give them. That's, I think that's a big question for me. I mean, obviously it's fun to watch this team and the players are exciting and we like seeing Cesar between the posts, but you do have to, you have to think beyond this week. And, and next month and Steve I think it's right that you've been keep bringing up but what the, what's going to happen when the World Cup comes around yeah because we're, it's going to be this lineup minus a keeper it's right it's going to be bigger holes right so is the hope what's the hope around that time just to tread the water? hope is no hope <laughs> that's what <laughs> I'm thinking is it like just to stay even tread water I mean the team for them to get I mean I, I, I guess that's what I was saying this is the debut this is the this is the showcase of what we got to look forward to for the next couple of months and I'm thinking no, it wasn't totally boring but we also didn't win and I felt like <clears throat> maybe maybe this lineup hasn't played enough together because it's not the first string so you were saying maybe we need to get some chemistry between some of these players. Uh, and I think you're right. I think they're, they need to play a bit more. Um, if that's, an, that would be an optimistic tone. <laughs> and I'm, you know what I'm, and I'm willing. I, I really, I'm not sure that I uh, subscribe, that I have much hope in that. Yeah. But I, certainly it wasn't boring. Uh, just disappointing. I think uh, to me it was, you know, it's just disappointing. I felt like we had so many chances and damn, one of those didn't go in. But I'll, you know, and I'll jump on board with that and say that, you know, I think Gilberto is probably still getting his feet underneath him in, in North America. And, uh, you know, as we often speculate with our, you know, South American players, this probably isn't his favorite time of the year to be playing football. Probably like some maybe another 10 degrees warmer. And if, you know, if I'm going to keep the optimism going, I was happy to see that for, you know, two games, Kyle Becker's played the full 90. And today, uh, you know, had his head above water and for the most part looked like 
you know, he didn't look out of place out there as, as we've seen some, some glimpses of last year and he almost scored a goal, right? He, he set it off the post. So if he had put one of those in, I think we would be raving about him. Um, but I think, you know, just around sitting around the stadium, you know, some people were just casually saying like that number eight, you know, is the one guy who seems to be the busiest. He's the guy that I'm noticing. And when he came out in the building, people are coming to the elevator was to be mentioned Becker as well. So, you know, if I'm going to take a positive and we want to talk about that depth going forward, maybe hopefully, you know, these games that Kyle Becker is, is playing uh, will pay off, you know, and when the, and the weather gets better and the pitch improves and whatnot, that maybe these kind of performances will get that lucky bounce and he'll, he'll pull that ball one foot in instead of, instead of putting off the post yeah. and, and the, and the tone changes completely. That's true. It was just shy of the bar on that last, that last free yeah, kick. He had two great free kicks, right? So yeah, he, didn't he hit a post as well? That's the one I'm talking yeah. about. And then there was the one after that just went just above the bar. It had the right, like the pace and the bend that the keeper didn't have a chance. It just yeah, went too sure. far. So there you go, guys. I you know I feel. I maybe I feel a bit better. The whole time we were coming back, eh? we're sweat, we're sweating this, being like, man, well, this just, is such a this podcast can be such a bummer. But it was know, just because it was disappointing. I think that was the main thing, and maybe that's what we should be taking away with this. That's you know, it was. I mean, if you were to summarize this, this it was a disappointing game because they felt like they could have won it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, so you know what? I think we should we should wind this down from here. Uh, usual, uh, Kamal. You got all kinds of stuff going on, man. Oh, yeah. I know you're on the site. So, I mean, you you got uh, people should know. I hope they know. If they're listening to this podcast, they're checking out yours, yeah. Gaffer and Hooligan. And uh, they can find you. I'm on Twitter at Kamal Hilton. Again, we do have Gaffer and Hooligan on Red Nation Online. And in a couple of days, it's going to War Room Sports Podcast Network as well. I did write a piece for Plastic Pitch. I hope you guys subscribe to that. It's on uh, Dan Yakovic and his move to Japan. And, uh, yeah, Gaffer and Hooligan's going to be all World Cup stuff. So we were talking World Cup stuff. Huh. Look out for that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then I guess I'll just, uh, you know, I'll just mention since we were talking so much about Becker, I'm sure that if, I hope anyways, that people have checked out, we ran this feature this week on the academy that he came through, Sigma FC. That's going to be a three-part series. So part two will be coming up this week. Um, looking at you know their philosophies and training model and and then of course the, these guys have a incorporated in their youth development as a part of the NCAA which I think is has some pretty interesting points on why they decide to do that uh, especially from looking at it from a Canadian perspective so I just want to say one other thing go for it uh, my favorite sights and sounds for today I don't know uh. if you picked up on this was at the half uh, with Rachel doing her pitch for the uh, for the pitch I guess for Scott's turf builder uh, when they do the whole, you know, text us and you can get in, sit in this VIP section in the back with like the AstroTurf underneath it. Uh, there was a there was a kid behind him, behind her, as she was doing the yap yap yapping, making the yap yap yapping with his hands, <laughs> and also uh, being ultra dramatic with his head, doing the motions like mimicking her. Uh, and the camera didn't ever stop not shooting it because it was live, right? Uh, anyway, I just felt that that was hilarious because she does remind me a bit, a bit of a chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Perfect. On that note. Uh, well, well, you know, the pitch deserved, a, you know, a worse promotion, Holy which shit. I think. That's another joke. Which I, which I think this, the fans gave, <laughs> right? The what? pitch in some ways let us down a little bit. I, I agree. Uh, so on that note guys uh, thanks for listening and we'll uh, catch you next week 
Side Stand-Up is the only Toronto specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at RedNationOnline or on email at info at rednationonline.ca and share your thoughts on how the Reds did on the pitch today. As well, check out other podcasts on rednationonline.ca from the Black Hole and the Gaffer and Hooligan, giving you all the coverage you want on Canadian soccer. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.